Awesome. Well, yeah, so let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Welcome to the Vanica Customer Advisory Board podcast series. Quite a mouthful there. It's a mouthful. Um, I'm your host today, B.D. Snow. We got Shelly D'Antonio Hello. with us here. And then we're very excited to welcome Lisa Turner from Silverleaf Management with us today. Thank yeah, you so much for joining for us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Um, we'd like to get started. And you, you had such a fun way of phrasing it the other day. Are you the gum or the shoe? I'd be curious <laughs> to hear, just like share your story on like how you got into this industry, like how you even... Figured out HOAs were a thing. Figured out HOAs. Okay, so um, my husband and I were looking to build a home outside of Atlanta, and we wanted to be fairly distant from Atlanta, but we didn't want to be too distant. Um, I had a huge fear of cars on blocks and all the crazy things that Mm -hmm. might happen when you're in the country. So we found a homeowners association. Didn't know what that meant, but thought it meant that my neighbor wouldn't put their car up on blocks. So we bought our home, and then I got elected to the first board. And then I found out that there's this thing called professional community management. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. So I went and took the class, took vacation time from my real job, Mm. and went and took the licensing course from one of my dear friends now, got my license, and went to work in the industry. And here I am. Okay. That's yep. very cool. Yep. So you are in a license. You mentioned licensing. You're yes. in a licensed state. We're in a licensed state. What do you think that lends to the industry to have licensing, good or bad? Uh, well, it depends. So on a good side, it does set some standards. Um, it puts some barriers to entry. So you don't just have anybody picking up, you know, a community mm-hmm. and trying to manage it. Downsides. There's some regulations that don't really apply to mm-hmm. what we do. We're under the Real Estate Commission, mm. which makes sense because it's real estate, but it doesn't make sense when you think about the percentage of licensees um, that do what we do. It's very small. So the Real Estate Commission really doesn't have an understanding mm-hmm. of what we do. So probably a little bit more um, cons than pros. Um, you know, And I know CAI's position is you know, they don't like licensing. probably for all of those reasons. I think in our state, we're so used to it. It's been mm-hmm. around for 20-plus years that it's really kind of a non-starter. But really, it's a it's more of a barrier of entry. It, it it's establishes more of a professional requirement on the front end for people who want to do community management. So. Has it made it tougher to hire? <clears throat> no, no, not really, um, because the licensing for a CAM in Georgia is not that strenuous. It's a four-day class, 24 hours. You have to pass a test, and then you take a state test. So it's not... It's not an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um, the other part is when you have any kind of downturn in the real estate market, licensed realtors can manage property. Mm-hmm. So that you have a pretty wide open field for that. So no, I don't think it's really impacted hiring at all, to be honest. And then we have several of our customer service team that we, we jokingly call that we grow our own. Mm. So they come in and kind of get to learn it from the front end, mm-hmm. from the front lines, and then move up and go get their licensing, take their test, and they're Actually, some of our best managers have come from that. It's been really cool to watch your team grow and evolve mm-hmm. like yeah. that. It's been really awesome to see from our perspective. Yeah, for sure. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Five years. Flew by. Five years. <laughs> five years in November. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of five years, mm-hmm. Lisa, you are client number one. Yes. Um, and we very much appreciate that. And we've, we've loved the relationship that we've had. Um, what made you decide to take the gamble? Take. Greg is incredibly convincing. No, um, (laughs) we were looking for a couple of things. Um, I really wasn't looking for software. I was looking for an opportunity to choose my business partners. And I was in a situation where I didn't have that option with my software provider. Um, Obviously, when you start shopping around, you see, you know, different bells and whistles and what's Mm -hmm. available from other providers. So when Greg did the demo um, way back then, I was blown away because I could see the vision and I could see the flexibility of the system 
And just the way that it was presented was, it just made me feel like it was, it was going to be the right partnership. Um, not to mention, I was going to get to choose my vendors, every one mm -hmm. of them. The mm -hmm. integrations are wide open. Probably shouldn't say wide open, but the integrations with most of the recognized vendors mm -hmm. are, I mean, uh, solid. So for me, I could choose to do business the way I wanted to and who I wanted to do business with outside of software. Um, since then, it's just been upward and upward and upward. And it's the efficiencies are great. Um, being in a small house, one of the difficult things is setting up those policies and holding mm -hmm. people accountable to them. Mm -hmm. So having a software that kind of sets those guardrails for us, um, we can do it once and then teach to the um, teach it to the team as far as how to use it. And then the, the outcome's predictable. So all of those things were just, you know, checking all my boxes at that point. It was a, it was a very exciting thing. Gotcha. And then another thing that, that I've always noticed going into your company, and I think, I think mm -hmm. we both have, is you're an amazing leader for your company. So Thank change you. is hard. Yeah. And yeah. people don't want to adopt. But you've always come in with, you know, just a very guiding vision. What is your leadership philosophy, if you have one? So I've always said that if I can't do it myself, I can't ask my team to do it. So I've always taken that to heart. So when I was looking at Vantica specifically, I'm like, if I don't like this software, how am I going to ask people that are going to be working in it every day mm -hmm. to work in it? That's the first step. The second step is if I don't like the people at Vantica, so same to you guys. I mean, mm -hmm. part of our partnership is the, the relationship we've developed over these years with everybody on your staff, um, not just you two and Greg and, and all of those. So that is something that my team really resonates mm -hmm. with. And from my leadership style, it's, you know, in the trenches with them. They need to know that, you know, I'm going to show them the right path, but I'm going to be right there with them. It's very important to me. So Good. I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, change is tough. Well, change it's tough. and it's difficult. I mean, yeah. it's difficult for us to walk into an organization where you don't have that leadership mm -hmm. at the very beginning and, and people are like, why are you just causing chaos in my world? Like, right. that's not what I want right now. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, and I know you'll, you'll probably talk to her at some point, but one of my friends said, you know, if you can, if you can look at this from an unegotistical standpoint, you know, check your ego. We all know that you've been successful in business, but there's a reason that Vandica is presenting these options to you, and it's because they've been able to kind of look at it from, you know, 20,000-foot view and say, okay, these processes are going to streamline things for you. So if you can take your ego and put it in the back corner for a minute and just listen on the transition side, you'll be amazed at what you might learn. That doesn't say that everything's always going to work and always going to fit, but I think if you start from that perspective, it's, it's a much easier process for your entire team. It's just like, maybe you can learn something. Mm -hmm. So, And we did. We learned a lot. Learned a lot uh, about efficiencies and you know, tr the reduce the number of touches and trying to make sure that we do things correctly mm -hmm. and again consistently so yeah all good stuff so going to those learning lessons do you have any insights for folks going through software transitions or considering a software transition that's such yeah. a scary beast to approach right and so for that reason a lot of folks just won't make they that won't change they'll it. keep doing things the mm -hmm. same maybe inefficient way so do you have any advice or things that you've really say like this um is i think prepare your team mm -hmm. i mean i it, it starts with i mean you can make the decision as an owner or a decision maker all day long and do it from a, f a fiscal standpoint. You can do it from a, you know, like I said, I was looking for opportunities to be able to have vendor selection. Mm -hmm. What I didn't say is that my people, right? So that didn't come in until I actually started looking at the software from the perspective of users. So I think you have to prepare your team that it's going to be difficult. There's no way to get around it. But if they understand the transition process and they understand expectations and you communicate with them that it's okay to get frustrated, 
mm. really is okay, yeah. then I think at the end they feel a little bit more comfortable decompressing during that whole process. The other thing is don't expect immediate satisfaction on your mm-hmm. team. It's just not realistic. Yeah. Um, in our case, it was probably 60 days before we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And that doesn't mean it was difficult or wrong. It just means that they were learning. Sure. And, you know, adult learning curves are probably sometimes a little longer than others. And some adults learn differently. But at the end of the day, they all benefited from it. And they all saw the, the benefits on their long run. And, you know, they're all happier for it. Um, the coolest part was about 60 days, they started asking each other to support each other. Mm. Nice. And that's, you know, when you start developing the super users in your team and what is their role and just really kind of talking about it, you can almost celebrate them as the champions on your team. So you got to have those guys identified and give them an opportunity to really shine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We've done a phenomenal job creating the environment for your team to feel supported and grow from. So that's definitely something that we commend yeah. for you and use honestly no, as an example for other clients that we interact with to say this is really the right way of approaching this and making this smooth. Because as you yeah. say, it's not, it's not easy. It's not, not going to be easy. Don't even change. promise that. I mean, yeah. it's just yeah. not going to be easy. Go ahead and tell them it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. Um, it's going to be challenging. There are going to be days where you just do not want to do it. And that's mm-hmm. going to happen and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Just give it a try, you know? So so that expectation setting with your yeah. internal folks, right? I'd be curious to hear kind of like how you then approach that like with your clients, right? Like right. as you all mm-hmm. are going through transitions, like mm-hmm. and you're picking up new communities or, you know, that sort of thing. Like how do you approach that expectation setting with your boards? Is it similar, different to the way that you're approaching It is your- similar. So we, we have a transition schedule, not unlike what your transition team has developed. And mm-hmm. we share that with our board so they know it, it's going to be X number of days. It probably is going to be longer. It's going to depend on the information we get and the timing of that. But we communicate and we have set, you know, mile markers where we're sending communication to those new boards saying, you know, today is what we did, this, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, check this, that's good. You know, those things are handled already. We're moving forward. We're in phase one. We're in phase two, whatever the process is. Um, We try to set it on the front end. Um, Again, you know, one of my colleagues in the industry starts a presentation with that information. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that that's... I'm quite ready to go that route, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important during the conversation of contract that what does the transition look like? Why is it this long? And, you know, what are the pain points and how can we eliminate those? And at the end of the day, it really is just making sure that they have first the right team on the transition team. It can't be necessarily a manager and an accounting staff. We have dedicated team members to our transition team. So it's every time Mm -hmm. they do the same thing. Um, it introduces more of our company to our new clients. Okay. So it's, it's a little more see the company instead of see the person. Um, it feels a lot more supportive mm. in, in what is admittedly a difficult transition period. You know, just like with the software transition, it's mm-hmm. difficult to move a management company. Um, I think we hit the mark probably more than I'd, you know, I'd, there's opportunities for us to be a little better on some. Mm-hmm. We learn it with every transition. Uh, we know what companies will make a transition easier, and we know which ones aren't. So we know that going in, so we can kind of set those expectations. Um, from a software standpoint, we know how long it takes us to do the position, the, you know, whatever inputs mm-hmm. we need to do. So that's not a difficult thing for us to stage and set those expectations with the board. Um, from a training standpoint, we try to get the boards in an orientation-type setting where we utilize virtual meetings mm-hmm. to show them how to log in. We try to get, you know, their feel and help them set their custom settings in the portal and all of that so they can kind of get a feel for it. 
Um, homeowners are obviously a little bit more challenging. Um, we have a couple of different ways that we try to get around that. If, if we know the association has a Facebook page, we have created a, a post that has a QR code on it so they can scan and go straight to the portal. Oh, cool. oh um, that's fantastic. Which has been really revolutionary to try to get our adoption rate higher. Mm -hmm. Um, the biggest thing though, my concern is that we need to populate that portal before we start sending homeowners <laughs> to it. So mm -hmm. that's one of the, one of the targets for our transition team is to make mm -hmm. sure there's something there. Um, we also tell boards, don't expect it to change like a website. This is static mm -hmm. information with the exception of like account history. We don't want to set an unrealistic expectation where it's like a fluid website. There's some things that are going to update, you know, but for the most part, this is just information. It's more of a portal and a, well, it is a portal, but it's more of a resource library mm -hmm. for these homeowners. So. so give us some insight into, because you kind of hit on there, that piece of like board and homeowner adoption of mm -hmm. technology, right? And that's mm -hmm. obviously like in this industry, we're moving out of this like right. dinosaur age yeah. of paper and coupons and stacks yes. of boxes <laughs> with boxes all the association boxes, documents, yes. you know, so, which is great. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see, but like there's some, there's some hesitation in different, from different board members, homeowners, that sort of thing, to yes. that change process, yes. right? So It's a great socioeconomic, um, psychological, you could do a, <laughs> just a case study on how people yeah. react to that. Um, several years ago, I decided I hated coupon booklets. Um, it probably came from a board member who told me that his desk doesn't wobble because he used a coupon booklet to level it out. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like the, like nice. the sugar packet. Yeah. It's about like, the best okay, use for a coupon book. Yeah, thanks for that. So, um, I also saw it as an opportunity to, this is going to sound weird, to save the association some really silly expenditures. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about five, six, seven dollars a booklet. Right. It just becomes a really unnecessary expense. So I felt like it was a way we could trim some fat. So we send out statements at the end of the, or before the beginning of the year that say, if you'd like a coupon booklet, contact us. And we created an action item that sets that up. So if someone's, you know, requesting a coupon booklet, we can get it to that individual. Mm -hmm. um, it cut down on the number of coupon booklets we were sending out for obvious reasons. And then we can kind of identify those owners that really need it or want it for whatever reason and talk to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's given us the opportunity from a customer service standpoint to go in and go, okay, this is an owner that really needs this extra touch for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. It could be an age demographic. It could just be a, a, a really a concern about security, all of those things. And we are able to touch them and kind of address it individually with them. So. This is a, that's a really good, unique approach. Did you run into any issues with those folks who received that statement and then going into delinquencies? Was that any kind of hurdle to overcome? Um, or did you find that it was really no, well adopted? No, it actually was pretty well adopted. Okay. Because um, the folks that are looking for paper mm -hmm. are looking for paper. The delinquencies come from the people who say, well, just email me. Mm -hmm. And then they don't get the email. Wink, wink. Um, which, thank you for letting us see whether they really got the email. <laughs> so we appreciate that little feature. Um, I, I highly recommend that you coach your staff on how to tell somebody that we know you mm -hmm. read an email. <laughs> yeah, there's a right and wrong way. Yeah, there's a right and It could end up in a bad review. But at any True. rate, <laughs> uh, I think that that, you know, we didn't see that. Mm -hmm. on, the, on the people paying via paper that wanted the coupon booklets and appreciated and read that. Mm -hmm. No, I didn't see a, a real spike in that. One or two maybe, but they we have enough of a communication process with our homeowners that they recognize it pretty quickly. Gotcha. gotcha. Do you know what your adoption rate is of electronic payments? I don't. I don't. It's actually something we were just looking at, as a matter of fact, and the idea here is to try to eliminate as much paper mm -hmm. as we can. Um, obviously, for lots of reasons, 
the postal service is, is unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to untether some of my staff so they can be more mm-hmm. remote. Mm-hmm. Um, that is absolutely the case with my accounting staff who has to be able to receive those payments if they come in paper check, those kind of things. Um, it was interesting in a discussion recently, we were talking about how a lot of people don't realize that online bill pay through a bank may generate yeah. a paper that's check. Right. That's right. So it's got my mind thinking maybe we need to try a different approach, you know, on how to, going back to the whole Facebook thing, it's been effective. Um, I'm not one that really shies away from Facebook. I think that there's a need for people to have a, an opportunity to, you know, a little area of event. I'm not a fan of sometimes of what they say. But if we can utilize that for good and maybe make it where, okay, mm-hmm. so if you're doing online bill pay, mm-hmm. you know, you are literally mailing us a check and it's delaying it. You know, here's right. an option and trying to incentivize them. I can't figure out the incentive, but it'll come to me eventually. <laughs> um, the incentive is more internal. So we just got to yeah. figure out how to make that external. Um, you know, and there's talks of, you know, de-incentivizing paper checks. And, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. We'll get there. But uh, I think that the long term is just the, the processing time so much faster um, and getting away from relying on a third party to get that check there is yeah really important. Well, you also had on the theme of homeowner education there as well, Correct. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and so kind of around that, like what other, th- like if you could say, okay, if I could walk into an association and teach your homeowners anything, yep. what comes to mind? Oh gosh, so many things. Um, how to interact mm. with a management company, what our role is. I mean, and, and just mm. from the perspective of not a defensive posture, yeah. Um, I, I wish there was a way that we could stop the narrative that the man, that it's a big, bad management company. Right. I get it. Everything we do tends to be negative. We're sending you bills and we're telling you to cut your grass. I get it. But there's so many things that we do that aren't as tangible or visible. They're so positive for these associations. Um, you know, value, property value increases, you know, just making sure they're safe and secure. All of those things are so hard to get across unless you have a willing audience. Mm. Um, and if we could get rid of some of the defensiveness on that, I think it would help everybody. Um, I don't have the answer to that. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to struggle with that. But if I got a chance to stand in front of homeowners, which I do occasionally at annual meetings, I'll mention that. And, you know, if you, if you know me, you know there's going to be a fair amount of humor in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite jokes is to tell them to start waving with all of their fingers, right. not just one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they tend to go, oh. You know, and then they're like, oh, was that me? So, you know, <laughs> that that kind of puts a little point on the fact that we are humans doing human work, even though we have really great systems in place to make us more efficient. Mm. We're still going to answer the phone. We're still going to listen to you. and We care um, at the end of the day. So, well, you hit on an interesting point there, right? So that relationship between the homeowners and the management company, mm-hmm. right? And so. I, I'm curious uh, around this a little bit because a lot of time we think like, okay, that relationship largely is with the boards yes. and the management company, right? And yeah. obviously you're taking a more proactive approach to engage with the homeowners, the homeowners. as well. And mm-hmm. I'm sure it comes from partially a perspective of, well, that homeowner is probably going to be a board member That's in a right. couple of years, That's right? <laughs> Defensive but posture, yes. How, like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you all approach that? Like, So we have a customer service team. Um, I, I came from before I got elected to my own board. I was in customer service. So mm-hmm. I okay. really understood the process of pleasing the customer. Um, customer's not always right, but they ought to feel that way kind of thing, or at least feel heard. So sure. I take it very seriously that we answer the phone with a live, warm voice, um, that we don't, you know, we don't tr- tend to put somebody into a dead end. Um, that goes across a bunch of different areas. So in the advent that somebody wants to communicate with us electronically, you know, how do we respond to that email? Do we give them an opportunity to resolve whatever situation they find themselves in? So, you know, if they're getting a violation, how can they resolve it? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, how can they fix it? And if they're in a situation where, and, and this is part of the difficulty, would be another thing I would want to tell homeowners if I had the opportunity, is if you find yourself in a situation with a violation, be maintenance or whatever, let us help you get that resolved. And that's what our customer service team is charged with, is being available to guide them towards a resolution. Because at the end of the day, we're not interested in your fine money. Mm-hmm. We just want you to be compliant. So the more that we can convince our boards that that's the service that we offer mm-hmm. and that's the, the care that we give, it becomes a little bit easier when a homeowner gets a nasty gram mm-hmm. to go, hey, you know, we hear you. You know, we didn't mean to you know, add to your honeydew list um, or hit you on your birthday or all of those things mm-hmm. that may happen by chance. Um, but we would like to help you resolve it. Right. And that's the, probably the altruistic part of me coming out. Um, but that goes for, like I said, whatever communication is, whether it's electronic or vocal or in person. Uh, we want, I want to be able to help people in the end fix themselves. Mm-hmm. On that note, so I've heard the argument in the past between are you really pushing for compliance or are you pushing for violation letters? Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of boards yeah. almost ju- like um, will will judge their management company on are you sending enough violation That's letters? Right. <laughs> right. What What is your response to those boards as far as do you really want me to yeah. push the violation letter, or are you looking for the yeah. compliance? And that, you know, and that's sometimes that's a challenging question because depending on the board, you may get the response: No, we want you to send out the violation letters. We want you to send X number of violation numbers every time. And at the end of the day, it goes back to the documents and the community standard. So if there's a community standard that's set and you want to raise the bar, let's do it on a more thoughtful process. So if it's something that we're going to send out, you know, and fifty percent of the neighborhood is going to get a letter, mm-hmm. maybe a better approach would be to send out. You know, let's just use pine straw as an example. Um, it's a big deal here in the South. So if you're a, a Southern homeowner and it's April and you haven't refreshed your pine straw, you probably are going to get a letter. So if it's 100% of the community that needs to do pine straw, maybe there's an opportunity to do some sort of discount, right? Mm-hmm. And coming up with other options for the board, not telling them no, just saying, you know, have you thought about maybe this approach is a little bit better. And in my mind, that's what our managers should be doing in every sense. They should be a counselor, an advisor mm-hmm. to their board. Now, there's going to be boards that tell them, no, this is what we want to do. And we have to be able to sleep at night. So there's that ethical aspect of right. it. But I always use the defense attorney approach. There's a lot of defense attorneys that do a job all day long with a guilty client. And you have to do your job sometimes, even when the client's not doing what you want them to do. Hmm. So that's where the tricky balance comes in, and that becomes the mental health conversation <laughs> for, for, our, uh, for our managers. But I think in the long run, uh, you know, again, it's just giving some options. Um, you can say yes mm-hmm. if and get a lot of things resolved. Can I have a fence in the front yard? Yes, if you're willing to pay some fines, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yes. Mm. Always start with that. So, <laughs> so what, is, what is the funniest violation that you've ever had to issue. <laughs> this should be good. Um, we had, um, well, it's, I'll keep it G-rated, but sure. it, there was a, uh, a neighborhood, single-family neighborhood with a stripper pole in a garage hmm. that would have not, you know, nightly parties. And uh, there was a little concern about what was being seen by the neighborhood <laughs> children. So, yeah, that was kind of a, that was a difficult one to word. I was like, mm, how do we put that? <laughs> <laughs> Modification without approval, I think, is right. what we went with. Go back uh, to the CCNRs yeah, the CCNRs, here. yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, that was a tricky one. That was a tricky one. So. We, we had a condo in Charlotte that um, one of the more affluent residents would frequently park his scooter in the lobby. 
Because we are regularly <laughs> issuing, you cannot park your scooter in <laughs> violations. It's like, what are you doing? And, and to cut it to your point earlier, he just paid the fines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like whatever. It's seven hundred fifty dollars a month for me to park my car there or my my scooter there. Right. Yeah. It was actually yeah. a lot cheaper than the parking in Charlotte. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. yeah. That's the play, right? It's like, oh, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, scooters in the lobby. <clears throat> a figure. <laughs> better than what you see on the security cameras correct yes. Yes. yes yes which is something you can't unsee right so i hate it when my managers get that call mm-hmm. hey we had a break in can you go see what happened they're like oh mm-hmm. no so yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> people do some strange strange things especially in exercise rooms Ooh, scary <laughs> no that's a that's a road i'm not gonna go down uh, today. Yeah. yeah we'll keep that one off the off the podcast <laughs> It'd be a whole separate segment. That's a whole different one. Yeah. yeah. HOA after dark. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> It'd be a lot of subscribers to wow. that one. <laughs> yeah, you do a great job of injecting fun and humor mm-hmm. into I what try you to. do. You have to in this industry. Yeah. <laughs> That's really the do. only way. So Dad always said if you're not uh, if you're not laughing, you're crying. That's correct. You know? That's correct. And we know there's no crying in association management, no, or at right. least not this week. <laughs> not Tuesday. in the meeting, at least. <laughs> it's Tuesday. It's early yet, so yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So it, it, it's an interesting analogy because it is a very stressful in- industry, and it's yeah. an industry that we always say, like, why do people – like, how did yeah. we all end up here? Like, uh, like why do you mm-hmm. get into this industry? What would you like to see changed about the industry mm-hmm. if you could change something? I think that, again, the, going back to the whole um, – I guess the, the – honest truth is that management companies do not set out to make people mad. Mm-hmm. Um, our jobs are very, very difficult. And if we just had an opportunity to explain folks to folks that, you know, look, we're not trying to make you mad. We're not trying to ruin your day. We didn't come to work, mm-hmm. you know, looking to make you mad. So you would call and yell yeah. at us. Right. It's, it's a, it's a tricky balance. Um, we're not trying to overstep, you know, we, it's, it's hard to tell somebody that's really mad, well, you broke the rule, mm-hmm. and we're just letting you know as a courtesy. They do not see it as a courtesy. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's the biggest thing, the stigma attached to just management in general. I wish that would go away. So almost just a brand awareness for the industry. Yeah. Of, this is, this is yeah. our purpose. I mean, these are professional people. Yeah. Um, my managers are professionals, and they are trained, and they understand things on – you know, we talked about many hats. How many hats does a manager have to wear? Yeah. You know, and that's, it's a, it's a huge expectation. It's a wide job description. And I, you know, there's not many like it. Mm-hmm. Um, our industry is incredibly unique, um, dysfunctional, maybe to some level. <laughs> um, we put the fun in dysfunctional, but I think there's a certain amount of that. But uh, again, the stigma attached to just being a management company. I think it, yeah. I would love for that to go away where people don't see us as the takeover agent. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're support. We're support for the people you voted in. Right. So, well, speaking of putting the fun and dysfunctional, what kinds of things do you guys do around your office to kind of, you know, maintain that, mm-hmm. that good feeling on that really bad, <laughs> horrible day? So we have a um, homeowner wall of shame in the back of our office where we literally post some of the crazy stuff that people say and send to us. We have checks with really, really off-color endorsements that people <laughs> send in. Go back to the paper check thing. Mm-hmm. If we can eliminate that, we can eliminate the, the little messages that we received. Mm-hmm. Um, people abbreviate association in a bunch of interesting ways. Let's oh, just yeah. put it that way. Um, <laughs> and the memo lines get real creative. Mm-hmm. We have those. We have pictures back there of what people do in their homes. So that's one way that we celebrate it. Um, we used to have, like, dance parties. We would just, like, stop. Everybody's, you know, feeling pressure and, mm-hmm. you know, 
curled over their laptops, computers, and all that. And we'd stop and just, you know, like play some music and have a little dance party. I probably need to reenact that just because some of the dance moves are outstanding. I, can I bet. <laughs> outstanding. Um, and then at the end of the day, we just, you know, try to decompress. Um, mm. and, and I need to make sure that my managers know I don't expect them to do this 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a time for you to not be a property manager for Silverleaf, and that's I absolutely think that's important to their longevity in the industry, but I also think it's part of that whole respect thing that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that people know that, you know, like you don't expect your doctor to be available, like personally, They're, they have answering mm-hmm. service for that. We do too. So, you know, you make an appointment if you need to see a doctor, a professional. So it's, I don't think it's really asking a whole lot to have that same level of respect for somebody who's put in a lot of time and energy to learn an industry Mm -hmm. and try to support. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that work-life balance is so, so crucial. It's huge. How have have you dealt with that work-life balance over the last couple of crazy years? Yeah, COVID's not been fun. Yeah. Um, I decided that about a year ago I was going to make Friday no meeting Friday. Okay. Um, I am the worst about saying yes to everything. I'm on every committee ever. Um, it dawned on me about mm, a year ago when my chapter executive director was doing an introduction and it was like five minutes long of all the committees. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we started out with Lisa doesn't say no very often. So I've decided that that's going to cut back and I'm going to spend more time with my company, with my people. Um, dedicating time to them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's made a big difference. Um, so Fridays, I may not be available for meetings outside of my internal clients, which are my employees, um, but th- they know I'm available. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that goes for whether it's Friday or Monday or whatever day, they know they can reach out to me. So, um, yeah, I spend a lot of time. I have a big ranch um, with a bunch of horses, and that's my, that's my passion. So I get to spend time with them, and that's my decompression. I'm not in an HOA <laughs> when I'm on the ranch. Mm. And uh, there was a time where I didn't even have a cell signal on the ranch, and that was a beautiful mm. thing. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's important to unplug. I was hoping we were going to get to talk about horses at horses? some point in this yeah. conversation on well, the ranch. How are things going out there? Ranch is good. Yeah. Ranch is good. We've got um, plans to build a barn, which shocks everybody. I have a number of horses and no barn, and they're like, well, where do they live? I'm like, in the pasture. They're animals where horses yes live. where horses live and they're happier <laughs> that way um so we're looking at actually building a barn um this year so we can store our stuff it's right. not for the horses truly i mean they'll have a place in there but it's not intended for them <laughs> it's intended for the humans to store things right um so we're excited about that um we have had a bunch of wind lately which means fence repairs because mm. okay. you know tree limbs and things like that so we just are it's a constant battle of you know string another wire and see which horse figures out how to get out they're they're pretty pretty adept at sneaking through mm-hmm. they're big animals but they can get through some stuff and one of my friends back home said that horses were put on this earth to find new ways to die which is very <laughs> which so is, morbid which is very morbid <laughs> but if you're a horse owner you might get that just like yeah. God, wait, why did you do that you know so yeah they're they're great animals so so you're running barbed wire? No barbed wire. Not oh, okay. with horses. No. no. Uh, hot wire. Hot wire, yeah. Hot wire, not barbed wire, because horses will lean up against it and do some damage. But the hot wire, they don't like that. So you can string one wire, a horse that'll jump, you know, 20 inches in a hunter-jumper show will not jump a hot wire fence. 
Yeah, that was a lesson that we learned. We thought, okay, well, we'll do a three-string, you yeah, know. Yeah. Oreo's trying to crawl underneath it or rub up against it, and you got all these scratches, that sort of thing, and then he leaps it, you know. Yeah. Throw that electric fence up, it was lower, he's fine. Yeah, you won't He's touch in. it. Yeah. 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 Well, they'll touch it once. Yeah, just to learn. <laughs> we have one horse that doesn't realize. We took the electric charge off the fences, um, so we have one horse that we got after we did that, and he knows it's not going to shock him. The other ones are too scared, so you'd think they'd talk, but mm-hmm. he's the one who gets out, so... But he's, to, but he's keeping his secret. Yeah, he's down. like, whatever, watch this. And you're like, dude, you're crazy. So, yeah. But, yeah, they're they're great animals. They're definitely keep me sane. Yeah. A little bit of therapy. A little therapy there. Yeah. yeah they say that, you know, your heart rate, they can, they can affect your heart rate if you're near them. Um, I don't know if that's true, but I've tried to test it, you know, with mm-hmm. your Apple Watch, you know, watch it and stuff like that. But I don't have any way to test them. They don't, there's not an Apple Watch band that will fit them. Mm. Oh. So, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> you know, the the impact that they have on, you know, your psyche, at least for me, is, is, mm-hmm. is huge. So that's. And you got some barrel racing maybe in your future, huh? Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. Get back in it this year. Can you explain so. to the folks that might not know what barrel racing is? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. quick crash course. It's crazy. Uh, the, the idea is to run as fast as you can in a cloverleaf pattern around three barrels. Um, and a standard pattern is about, well, I'm going to get the measurements wrong because it's not my thing, but you're, the, the biggest pattern is probably 90 feet from the furthest barrel to where the timers are. So um, fast times are in the 15s. Um, mm. the, the pro level they do a little bit smaller pattern, but they're running 13 second patterns. It's it's incredibly fast. Wow! And you're galloping and doing a you know, in some cases 180 degree turn on an animal. Mm-hmm. That's it's incredible. So my daughter is actually better at it than me. Um, I've been semi-retired for about six years, and she's decided that this year her plan is to get me back into it. Mm. So. Um, in June, we're going to Texas for a clinic, and I'll be riding along with all the kiddos. <laughs> and uh, my horse, who's been also in retirement, came out of retirement a couple of years ago for her, so he won't be as shocked by it, although he's probably mm-hmm. going to be a little surprised on who's on his back. <laughs> um, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to get back into it. That's yeah. really cool that you're doing that with her. Yeah, it is fun. It is yeah. fun. We have a blast doing it. You'll have to keep us posted. On how I will goes. totally keep you posted. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I will do. definitely let you know. Yeah, we're excited to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Well, so I guess one other question I would have for you before we wrap up and whether or not, I don't know if you have any questions for us or anything else to add. (laughs) Yeah, ooh. um, That's (laughs) dangerous. (laughs) But no, so um, again, thank you so much for coming down to spend time with us in Wilmington and give us your feedback and, you know, the direction of, you know, where we're trying to head. Um, I guess I would ask, you know, just like, advice from the perspective of a management company and how they interact with their managers. We spend a lot of time talking Mm -hmm. about change and, you know, work-life balance and that sort of thing. Like, so um, maybe keys to success in like keeping those folks motivated, like keeping turnover down, that sort of thing, or like strategies that you... Um, You know, it's it's a part of it, I think, goes with client selection. Mm -hmm. Um, You you need to know what your company culture is. You need to know Mm -hmm. what your core values are. Um, make sure that not only your employees, but your clients and your business partners are aligned with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes a lot easier to have conversations, difficult conversations when they come up, because then you're like, well, at least we know that we have the base commonality of a core value that's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it sounds kind of pie in the sky, but that's, to me, that's the easiest way to set the standard and set the guidelines for it. Totally yeah. makes sense. Um, and, you know, the more that you can find partners, clients, and employees that are in tune with that, the easier it is 
um, the less interruption you have with that kind of, you know, like a debate or anything mm-hmm. like that. Because at least you know where somebody's coming from. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's in a nutshell. So finding good clients and keeping good clients, right? So, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's tough. Do you, what, what does your discovery process look like? Um, it's one in progress. I think that every time we bring on a new client, we learn something else. Mm. We learn yeah. a different way to ask a question or a different question to ask. And I, I think that the day that I think that I know it all is the day that I need to check it at the door and go, mm-hmm. okay, time to go. Um, so for me, it's it's a constant learning process, co- constant evolution, listening to my managers and like, what is it about this client that you really, really love? What is it that you really, really don't love? Mm-hmm. And then when you're interviewing the client, what did they really love about the management company they're leaving? That starts an interesting conversation because mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. they're dissatisfied at some level. That's a, kind of a no-brainer. We know what they're going to say. It's always going to be the same thing, communication, follow-up. My, my manager doesn't ever answer the phone. Those are, you know, 90 to 99% mm-hmm. of the complaints. But what are they doing right? You know, what is it mm-hmm. that brought you to them in the first place so you can kind of identify what their expectations are? Uh-huh. So that That's helps smart. us set it. That was a question that I learned a while back can get you a lot of really good information. Um, you know, and you can you can use financials to read tea leaves, but I don't know that it really tells you the personality of it. Sure. That's kind of the easiest part, in my opinion. Um, don't tell Alice. She might disagree. <laughs> <laughs> my accounting manager might go, no, it's not. But um, in my mind, that's probably the easiest predictor is financials. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the board's changed so much. you got to know right. the personality of the mm-hmm. neighborhood. you got to know that guy that's going to call you and yell at you and what, what his whole motivation is. Mm-hmm. So, right. Positioning those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I do have a question for y'all. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Please. Uh-oh. I like it. <laughs> um, Thinking back to the implementation at Silverleaf, the first one, the very first, very first one. Mm. What's something you wish you had done differently, and what did you do? You do that now. Mm. That was a tough one because we were numero uno. You guys were numero uno. Um, I wish. Okay, so thinking back, our implementation right now, we have a really solid project plan. I've seen it. We've got amazing. Yeah, we've got a really good kind of plan in place. Quite frankly, when we showed up, we like we kind of knew that we needed data, yeah. and we kind of had a plan for the data. And I don't think we really had a forward-thinking plan for the best way to go through the training and okay. the best way th- to go through the, the the configurations and the best way to like kind of teach you the opportunity of what this tool was. Okay. Um, we did a lot of just flying by the seat of our pants back then, um, and and I think that we now have the ability, and, and a lot of that ability is coming from the fact that we have pretty solid data tools in place for getting that data in, mm-hmm. because we were so hyper-focused on that. We're at the hotel room after hours, like, checking financials against each other, like, redlining things, you know, tweaking your GL groups, and that's not the most efficient use of our time on site. Right. And right. so I think, like, my biggest takeaway in learning a lesson from that is, was really just being able to focus on the training, being able to focus on all of that stuff that we get from being yeah. in front of you yeah. versus being focused on that data. On the data. Um, because we've maintained a lot that it's so beneficial to get in front of your people, uh-huh. to get in front of you, to watch you work, to watch how you like mm. move through the office yeah. even. And then like that's just like light bulbs going off. And so like we can just sit there and look at that and be like, that's a bad process. Like let's talk about why you're doing that. 
And so we really need to focus a lot of time when we're in office on doing that. Yeah, you all taught us so much more than we could have ever hoped yeah. to teach you about software. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? Like how to approach so the, the conversation. The mm-hmm. first thing I taught my team was a glossary. We needed a, you know, Silverleaf Devantica glossary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you guys had all of these ideas. And, you know, again, we were I was super interested in what that meant. But a lot of times y'all would say something and we would not we would correlate it to something we had done previously. Yeah. And there was a in a couple of cases there was a, a disconnect that was really unintentional but had pretty big ramifications. So I think, you know, and, and when I'm talking to, you know, your potential customers that call and ask me for a, mm-hmm. my advice, I'm like, make sure you know exactly what they mean and what you mean. Mm-hmm. And if that means, you know, spending time breaking down a process that seems really simple, trust me, you'll be grateful for it on the long run. And I think you guys have gotten much better about that. I know we have being clear about what our expectations are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen anybody quite like you, BD. You're like, why do you want to do it that way? <laughs> Like the interviewer, you know, right? yeah. what is your thought? What is your goal? I mean, you do a good job mm-hmm. of getting peeling that back and making sure that we really know what we're trying to do, especially in setting up action items. So, yeah, it's it's interesting what we learned, and you know, I was mm-hmm. just curious what you guys. Learned. Yeah, we definitely have learned a lot from mm-hmm. you guys over the years, for sure. Yeah. Good, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. we we appreciate that continued partnership and that con- continued opportunity. Yeah. And that's such a good point about just the vernacular that we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a client that we were working with, and we're going through the collections process. It was and us, and they're just like, it was no, 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 it was us. And then we finally <laughs> figured out, like, oh, delinquency, yeah, collections, Not collections, different. two different things. And we're like, no, collections is just a late letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a so, letter. Yeah, we're like, we didn't want that. We, right. Yeah. Absolutely. That was that yeah. was it. That so, was us. Yeah, sure. that, that was us. And we we learned that. And yeah. it, it, at the end of the day, it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learned a huge. It's like, okay, whoa, that was a yeah. that was one of those light bulb moments. It's yeah. Like, okay, we need to know exactly what they mean, and they need to know what we mean, mm-hmm. and what our, you know, at the end of the day, what our goal is. Yeah. So yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We didn't have a help center at all, I don't think, when you no, onboarded. We did not. I mean, we it had no too. articles. It was us. Yeah. Like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, and yeah, and I heard yeah. the other day you have over 400 articles. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I might have the number wrong, but that's exciting. Yeah. So. yeah. I don't know how many it is, but it's definitely been a focus. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah. We've never had trouble finding anything on that resource, so we appreciate that. That's great. Yeah. We try to. I try to push the team to self-help mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously... Some of their questions are, are a little too complicated, but for the main, you know, for the regular manager who's just doing a day-to-day task, they can self-help and get an answer pretty quickly mm-hmm. using Zendesk. So we even have a link on our hub, on our internal hub, oh, cool. so they can go straight to it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it, it's it's important to me that they get rapid help, you know, mm-hmm. and then sometimes even their supervisors or our super users are not going to be able to answer them quickly. Um, and then, and certainly, you guys are fast, but the, you, there's still a delay. Sure. Sure. Um, there's always going to be. So if they can get it off Zendesk quickly, then that's what we try to do. So, Well, there's yeah, a perspective there too, right? Mm-hmm. Like trying to help yourself and looking for that answer versus mm-hmm. right. just, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck. Yeah, I need, yeah. I need, help, need help getting yeah. pulled out, yeah. you know, and so Absolutely. you do an awesome job about instilling that perspective yeah. in your team. It's like, please, please use your resources. That's why they're there. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming down to Wilmington yeah, and hanging fun. out with us. Uh, awesome. It's been a pleasure yeah. having you here. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for the it. last five years. This has been a yeah. fun relationship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been fun. Absolutely has. Can't believe a it's been five years. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> How far have we come? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, thank you, guys. It's been an honor to serve on the customer advisory board, um, sit in the room with some really, really sharp people, um, and my colleagues in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we no, won't, we won't tell them you said that. Yeah, no. They won't be published in a, broad, in a podcast, no. No. Yeah. Um, none of them would be surprised at, <laughs> at me saying that. But no, it's been, a, it's been a real honor 
to be a part of it. Um, you know, it's been a really cool way to see what you guys are up to and kind of have some some say maybe or some influence in the direction of where you're headed as a software company. That's quite an honor and don't take that lightly. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely.